and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves but he was asleep then his disciples came to him and awoke him look save us we perish why are you fearful you of little faith then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea and there was a great calm so the men afternoon and good morning wherever you're at in the world i am jason your co-host with god and jesus christ at my side because they are the host with the most they are in the captain's chair they are in charge and they are at the wheel therefore they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life so welcome to his hard line welcome ladies and gentlemen this is episode 484 we are going to be doing a reading out of genesis chapter 18 with a little summary and then I think possibly we might just do a quick little show, something I was going to cover just kind of in passing. It might literally, when I say short, I'm talking like 15, maybe 20 minutes max, something I'm going to cover real quick. Nothing crazy. Wednesdays are usually going to be kind of shorter type of days, uh, possibly even 15 minute late starters, just because, you know, that's the time we go to the pool. The pool opens up at five. It's a little bit of a distance. We try to get out by six. Sometimes it doesn't work out so well because we have a little daughter that's a little frog and loves to swim. So, um, but anyways, so Wednesdays are kind of a little goofy. Um, like I said, we'll always have a show on Wednesday. It's just possible that it might, you know, delay by, you know, 15, 20 or so minutes. So, and if that's the case, I'll definitely put that out there on Telegram and true social uh rietta was asking if it's an indoor pool yeah so we we're members at a uh, an aquatic center <clears throat> it's a fitness center and aquatic center that's attached to the high school uh in our town where we're at and uh it's just really nice it gives us something to do in the winter time since winter there's really not a whole lot to do we're not really skiers we're not snowboarders we don't really do a whole lot outside and so this is kind of a perfect way to get some indoor you know kind of summertime activities while it's 
cold as heck out. So that's pretty nice. So anyway, but, uh, Oh, so let's get down to brass tacks. So it is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. All right. So let's get right into it. Actually, before we get into it, um, I'm not going to play my typical dad joke, but I am going to play something that I thought was kind of funny. Um, I, I hope there's no swearing in this. I don't, I don't think there is, but this is funny though. So this was on TikTok. And this is a guy that's just basically eating dinner. He looks like he's, <laughs> he kind of looks like he's uh, maybe part of the mafia. I don't know. But it's just funny. His facial reaction, I'll have to post it on Telegram. But just listen to it. I think you'll be able to get the humor out of it just by hearing it. All right, here it is. Boss, I think someone in the office is possessed by an owl. Someone in the office is possessed by an owl? Yeah. Ooh. Turn that damn thing off. So he's eating what appears to be pasta. And of course, he says, you know, somebody in the office is possessed by an owl. Who? And you see the wheel slowly turning in his head. Like you could tell the gears in his mind are slowly, slowly turning. Like, really? You made that stupid joke with me? Really? Like, that was his face. And then he realized the phone was set up in such a fashion that it was recording, and that's when he pointed at it. He goes, get that damn thing out of my face. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Um, Here's one other thing I did find that I want to play, because it does fit along with, you know, the religion and and Christ and, and God. And uh, this is really interesting. So this right here, it says, devil worshiper gets rocked by christians listen to this this is pretty interesting now i i don't know how true this testimony is but i highly doubt people would go on the internet and you know i mean not i mean listen there's people that fake things all the time but this is pretty interesting i mean if it's true this is very interesting we'll give this a quick listen to and then we'll get right into the reading check out what happens when this devil worshiper meets real christians i was a devil worshiper I was the third high-ranked devil worshiper in New York City. My connection was from New York City to Cuba, from Cuba to Miami, Haiti, and back to New York. I ran regions. I did witchcraft on people. I was drinking animal blood. I was cutting myself, drinking my blood. I was staying all night doing rituals. I was living crazy witchcraft, like astral projecting, cursing neighborhood, cursing region. I came out of my building one afternoon. There was a group of people that were standing on the corner. And I was like, where that lousy music is coming from? So I went over there and I was half demon possessed go over there to attack them. It was the Nikki Cruz Ministries. When I went over to attack them, they had the, like this wall of fire around them. And, they, and, and, and what they had, which at the time I didn't know, but today I know the Holy Spirit, pushed me back. And they pushed me back. I couldn't believe the strength that pushed me back spiritually. And, and I started almost to cry. I couldn't believe it. But the first time I felt my heart was a human. I felt like something grabbed me. I couldn't shake it off. And I, so what I had, the powers that I had for 25 years, couldn't penetrate who these young people were. Mm. And they were singing gospel. They were, they were giving testimony and they were sharing the word. That's what they were doing. And that, it was enough to push me back and put me in my place. The Bible says that greater is he, Jesus, who lives in us as believers than he, the devil, who lives in the world. If you agree, type amen in the comments and click follow or subscribe for more. 
Amen to that. Amen to that. I thought that was awesome. I was like, wow. I'm like, how, how amazing is that? Hold on one second, guys. I'm just adjusting something on my desk here. All right. I think I got what I need. All right, cool. Actually, hold on. Not quite. One more moment. Okay, sorry about that. I forgot to turn a certain light on, which kind of gives a little bit more of a different kind of ambience in here that I kind of want. So, all right, we're back. We're good. Sorry about that little brief moment, uh, momentary disruption. Okay, so let's get into the reading. Yeah, yeah, Rita, you're absolutely right. She says here in the chat board, love those testimonies. God wins. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's pretty profound. That's very, very profound and powerful. Um, I love those testimonies, too. So if I ever find those, I'm definitely going to be playing them. So, okay, Genesis chapter 18, New King James Version Bible. And Rietta, you have basically yourself to thank for that, because now instead of the NASB, um, I'm pretty much digging into the New King James Version. Uh, so thanks for that. Uh, but I still do like the New American Bible Revised Edition. That is my favorite. And the reason, let me tell you why, in case I didn't make myself clear in the past. The reason I like the New American Bible Revised Edition, now it might be slightly different, obviously, from like the Geneva, the 1599 Geneva and the New King James Version or the original King James Version for that matter, is because I really enjoy the seven apocrypha books. You know, the seven books that are actually missing from the majority of Bibles, um, like the Ecclesiastical, the uh, uh, there's the Book of Wisdom of Ben Sira. Uh, there's the actual Book of Wisdom. Like, I like those seven books. Um, there's a lot of, believe it or not, there's a lot of good stuff in those seven books, almost as good as what you would find in, say, Proverbs or Psalms, um, books, you know, in those kind of books. It's a lot of, lot of good wisdom, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I think the reason, in fact, I don't, I have to look into that. We'll have to figure out why, uh, what the reason is why they don't, um, you know, why the other Bibles don't have those seven books, but probably the same reason why they don't have the book of uh, Enoch in there. And the book of Enoch is quite interesting too. We'll have to read through that one day. We'll have to do a separate uh, show where we do the reading of book of Enoch, you know, well, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to switch it up once in a while here. But um, yeah, somebody was saying right here in the chat, the new, uh, the NIV, which I believe is New International Version, seems more poetic. Um, I would probably tend to agree because I've read a little bit of the NIV. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, listen, here's the thing. At the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of other worse things that we could read. So um, if we're just kind of here debating about which version that we like to read, at least we're reading the Bible. I mean, that's the important thing. So, so okay, let's get down to it. Let's get, a, get into a little God business. All right, so Genesis chapter 18. This is a little bit longer than most of the chapters that we've been reading. It's about 33, let me make sure, yeah, 33 verses. All right, all right, and it reads, <clears throat> excuse me. Then the Lord appeared to him, the terebinth trees of, um, of Mar Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. 
please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before him. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the man rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them and sent them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now I am who I, I, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find 
45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Indeed now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. That is the reading of Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 33. I wish I would have thought about the uh, the voice effect every time that, you know, the Lord spoke, and, you know, every time God spoke. I'm going to try to do that going forward because I believe it adds a nice little extra context, you know, so you know exactly when God is talking if you're not paying real close attention. But, um, you know, it's very amazing how even for the sake of 10 be found in there in the whole town of an unrighteous, you know, town that the Lord would not destroy it for the sake of 10. It's very interesting. It almost kind of almost aligns with a, a dream that my wife had, which would actually f- fall very contrary to this. Uh, maybe if we get into it, I'll, I'll talk about that dream here in a little bit. But actually, it's more my wife that should be able to explain it. But um, I don't know how busy she is. Otherwise, I would have a uh, let's bug a wife segment here. Uh, maybe maybe tomorrow we'll talk about that. But yeah, she had a very interesting dream that would kind of be contrary to that. Basically, it involves a bunch of helicopters in a doomsday end of world scenario where military was going around basically destroying all of the unrighteous, taking out the evil scumbags of the earth, but at the same time, taking out, unfortunately, the righteous people of the world too. Not by choice, but because they happen to be in the way casualties. But fortunately, that's not how God would work. That's probably how man would work, but that's not how God would work. Because clearly God said, for the sake of 10, I would not destroy that town. So what we read here was the events of Genesis 18 that took place not long after God's visit with Abraham, in which we read back in chapter 17 yesterday. Now, the visit from the Lord is quite different. However... It's not clear at first if Abraham even recognizes the three men who appear outside of his tent as the Lord and two angels in human form. In either case, Abraham runs to show them deep respect and hospitality, and he tells Sarah to bake them bread and has a young calf slaughtered for them to eat as they rest in the heat of the day. Now, over or once the meal is over, the Lord fully reveals himself in a conversation and he conducts that, you know, that he conducts with Sarah throughout Abraham while she remains hidden 
and listening behind the tent door. Now, first the Lord asks where Sarah is and then reveals to her what he had said to Abraham in the previous chapter. Now, by this time, a year from now, she will have a son. Now, Sarah's response is much the same as Abraham's in the previous chapter. She laughs to herself. She's like, there's no way. I'm way too old. There's absolutely no way. Not only was she around 90 years old, but we are told that, you know, the way of women had ceased for her. And the phrasing here might suggest the idea of menopause, basically. And Sarah is literally beyond a woman's normal ability to conceive, which is why she finds it very funny. So she describes herself as worn out and her husband as old. She can't imagine having the pleasure of new birth in their season of life. And the Lord knows both that Sarah laughed and what she thought about his revelation. And he asked Abraham, why did she laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And then he repeats the promise of a son at the appointed time. Sarah likely realizing now that this is God. And then she becomes afraid. When she kind of realizes, oh, crud. Um, this really might be God. I probably should mind my P's and Q's. And so she, she tries to cover her tracks by, by lying and saying that she didn't laugh, but the Lord corrected her once more. And he said, I did hear you. And he doesn't, you know, he does not punish her for lying. Because again, that's the kind of God we have, right? That's the Lord we have. He's understanding. In another instance of divine humor, he has already named her child Isaac, which means laughter, which I find kind of ironic. It's kind of funny, but ironic. And so the three men then set out on their journey, walking from Abraham's home, near Hebron, toward the city of Sodom. And Abraham walks with them for a time until they arrive at a high vantage point from you know which they can look across and see Sodom. Now from there, the Lord reveals to Abraham his plan regarding the grave sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the implication is that God will bring judgment on those people if their sins were as wicked as he had heard. Now, this, of course, is a figure of speech since God already knows exactly how sinful these cities are. And the reason for this human perspective is revealed in the conversation with Abraham as Abraham tries to specify just how wicked these cities must be to earn the wrath of God. And so as these two angels walk on toward the city, Abraham begins a kind of negotiation with the Lord. Now, his nephew Lot and his family live in Sodom. So Abraham seems to be a bit concerned for them, and, and, and understandably so. So he boldly challenges the Lord, asking, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Abraham insists that such an action would not be consistent with the Lord's character. The Lord is patient with Abraham as he begins to ask for assurances. He says, Will you destroy the city if you had 50 righteous people there? And the Lord agrees that he would not. Then he continues asking through, lowering the number each time. Would you be willing to destroy the righteous people to judge the wicked if it was 45 or 40 or 30 or 20 or finally down to 10 righteous people? Then once more, again, the Lord agrees that he would not do so if 
he finds that many. With that, the Lord heads toward the city and Abraham walks back home. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but that is a wonderful, loving God. See, that's the God we have. Everyone always says, oh, Old Testament shows a very angry God. Does it? Or does it show an angry God towards an unrighteous people? Because from what I read there, an angry God would wipe out 50 righteous people for the sake of you know destroying a town full of wickedness. But see, because we have a not angry God, a loving and understanding and patient God and Lord, he even says to Abraham, yes, if there are 10 people there in that city, if there are five, now I know it's not in the Bible, but he probably would say, if there are five people there, I would spare that town if there were five righteous. See, that's the kind of God we got. Amen. So that is the summary of Genesis chapter 18. We did a reading again for some of you that might have caught it in the middle. It's a New King James Version. It's my second favorite version of the Bible, that is. But yeah, real quick. Now, it's not my dream. I don't know if my wife, I'm like debating whether or not I should call my wife or not. She's probably not in the mood because we just ate dinner and she's probably getting the kid ready for bed. So I'll I'll just kind of give you a quick synopsis of her dream. So she she ended up having a dream earlier this morning um, where it seemed like they were in a, it was her, me, her parents, and then a little baby daughter, a little baby girl, which may or may not have been Haven, not sure, but we can only assume. And in her dream, she was saying she was in an, in a state that definitely wasn't Michigan. She says now she wasn't quite sure, but the setting and the atmosphere and the environment almost kind of seemed similar to that of Nevada, particularly like Reno or Las Vegas, right? But she wasn't quite sure, but she, she, she recognized it as being kind of like a desert arid kind of climate, right? She said the sky was orange. In fact, let me read it. Hold on. She sent me the text. Let me see if I can go back real quick because it's very descriptive because she was very, very descriptive with her text. Hold on. Um, here it is. She says, yeah, you, my mom, a baby girl, which possibly might be Haven, and myself were on vacation somewhere and our hotel room, the lights flickered on and off and I thought it was weird. So I went to look outside towards a large window that faced the parking lot. Now, while I was there, the lights went off again, but permanently this time. Then I heard screaming in the hotel and out of the parking lot and saw many people running. Then I heard massive gunfire and over a hill or something, the sky was lit orange with rain of gunfire because there was a huge storm of helicopters shooting everything and everyone in sight. Now, they seem to have no set target. I ran back to the hotel room where we were just throwing our stuff in bags and ran to the car. I sat in the back while my mo- with my mom and baby. I covered the baby with everything hard and, and, and big that we had to protect her. 
everywhere we drove, we only had minutes before helicopters showed up and they were everywhere. We got a break at a gas station and rushed to fuel up, grab snacks and change the baby's diaper and get back on the road. Now, in the distance, we could hear the helicopters and screaming. And she writes right here, we drove to my parents' house, not sure where that was because it wasn't their current house here in Michigan. And my dad met us there. The area hadn't been hit yet, but all the lights were off. And the only lights that were on were the street lights. Then I woke up. The skies were black. You saw no stars or moon. The only thing to light the sky at times were what looked like rain of orange rapid fires. I have no idea why they were shutting, shooting either. I remember asking you in my dream and you had no idea. And in my dream, I was guessing military and that they were trying to get rid of the evil that was there, that, that was, that there were so many. That's why they were just shooting without really any real target, including, you know, the casualties of innocent lives. I was like, wow, that was very, very descriptive. She was saying it was very, very vivid. You know what's interesting? I had a dream like that a few years ago. Not quite like that, but I had actually two dreams like that. It was in a Vegas-like setting. Skies were orange and pink. Very ominous. Something that's not normal on a normal day. Again, in Nevada, it was in a very, you know, weird area. It was almost like there was uh it was like a, a serious version of martial law was going on. Like I remember a bunch of men in, in, in black uniforms, almost CIA types with black uh German shepherds, just vicious, snarling, you know, drool slobber going all over the place as they were barking ferociously at me and my father in law in this dream. We were in a parking garage overlooking the skyline, and I just remember seeing bombs. And smoke and and just total war destruction everywhere. I mean, I had no idea what the hell was going on. But I've had a couple of dreams that were very similar what my what my uh, what my wife had. Very very similar. Very crazy dreams. Now I don't know what those dreams mean. Hopefully nothing. But very very strange. When she was explaining it, it made me recount those two dreams that I had a few years ago. But. Thankfully, they're just dreams. They might not mean anything. It's possibly, it's possible because my wife has been itching to want to watch the movie Red Dawn. So it's possible maybe her subconscious seeded that, that scene in her, in her mind, (laughs) you know, maybe it's her inner, inner conspiracy per, you know, coming out, you know, manifesting in her dream. She was like, well, that crap can go away because that sucked. (laughs) But yeah, very crazy dream. You know, very, very, very crazy dream. Uh, Rietta was saying, Donnie says, watch Red Dawn 1 and 2. There's a second one? Or is he talking like the first and the second? Because I know there's one with Patrick Swayze. Is that what he's talking about? And then the new one that was more modernized. There was also another crazy movie called, uh, I think, Dragon Day. Or Red Dragon. Dragon Day. I can't remember what it was. That was a very crazy one, too. I can't find that one. But again, another apocalyptic movie where the Chinese take over America through, you know, the back end of technology via computer chips and a lot of these laptops and motherboards and computer brains that are in airplanes and cars and everything in between. Very crazy stuff. 
yeah, my poor wife, she had such PTSD from this dream because uh, we live near an airport. And she said the first few helicopters that I heard this morning made my stomach flip. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, sorry, babe. But anyway, so, yeah, that's our that's our crazy life, our crazy dream dreams. So, all right, we're going to close this out in a prayer and then I'll start off the next show. Like I said, the next show is only going to be, you know, very, very short, probably 15 minutes, maybe 20 at max. Just wanted to cover um, something real quick. It is kind of assembly ish related. So um, we'll end this with a prayer and then we'll close it out and we'll start off the next one real quick. So uh, Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you uh, for this day together and thank you for my family. Thank you for our daughter. She's doing so much better with swimming. Uh, she just needs a little bit more refinement. So with a little couple swimming lessons here coming into the spring, we hope that she can be completely water safe as we go to the cottage by the lake. Thank you so much for that. And we thank you for the, the gift of companionship and marriage. And thank you for our children. And for those that are blessed to be grandparents, thank you for the grandchildren. We pray for the safety of our nation. And we pray for the children that are missing and the children that are displaced in this country and actually around the world for that matter, I pray that your people will find every last lost child and all of their bases are destroyed. And we pray and we ask for forgiveness as a nation. We ask for forgiveness as individuals for our own trespasses just give us a chance. We'll make it right. We pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. So, with that, we will be back. Here, give us about two minutes. And we'll come back for a quick 15, 20-minute show. And I am going night-night after that. I am tired, guys. I am very tired. So God bless wherever you're at in the world. We'll see you on the other side. If we don't see you on the other side, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Remember, tomorrow is Thursday because we have a state meeting at 7.30. We will start the show roughly between 6 and 6.30. I'm not quite sure. I'll put it out there on Telegram. And uh, just be on the lookout on Telegram and True Social. And uh, remember, I do stream video live over on Clout Hub. Now, if you want to hear the video or, excuse me, see video footage. I mean, there's not really much to see. It's just my ugly face with a civil peace flag behind me and the state of Michigan off to my right. Um, but if you want to see my ugly mug, I am over there at Clout Hub. Um, you could probably turn down the volume on the Clout Hub side. And, you know, if you're at a computer, that is. And then, uh, you know, you can, um, <laughs> Rietta says, yeah, and your mic covers most of your face. Yeah, that's by design. Because like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty ugly guy. Yeah, I moved it down a little bit. There we go. I moved it down a little bit. Um, like I said, it's just, you know, people are visual. There's people out there that are visual people, you know. So there, I kind of moved it down a little bit so you can see my my ugliness, you know. Um, but anyway, um, but that's it. So we'll see you on the other side. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. And if, like I said, if we don't see you on the other side, we'll see you back here tomorrow. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then 
his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men Thank <laughs> you.